Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Hello, welcome to On the Farm Picture List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I'm your host, Lamar Gibson. And I'm your host, Jake Mache. And we are recording today uh, on the 1st of August. It is uh, 7.33. So the trade deadline has just ended about an hour and a half ago. Deals are submitted, um, still being reported on, but I think we kind of have all the major deals that we're going to have. Uh, and Jake and I, we're going to break down um, those deals from prospect standpoint for, you know, the, the prospect implications and then talk through dynasty and some possible redraft implications as well for the major league uh, guys that were moving. Um, not a whole lot going. I think, you know, we had one deal that had been kind of suspected for a while. Um, and that's Verlander going back to Houston. Um but not a whole lot to be impressed. I think once uh, Otani, you know, was off the market, uh, that freed up movement. But it looked like, you know, a lot of major pieces still, you know, stuck around. Dylan Cease, not traded. Um, we saw kind of like math returns for uh, Giolito and, you know, even Verlander, which we'll get into. Um, not super duper impressive. So uh, it'll be... I think maybe a shorter podcast is, is our plan here as we kind of zip through. So uh, with that uh, being said, I know we don't have really much of a this week in baseball. Um, a couple of things of note that um, Jake and I were talking about seeing a lot of the college bats um, making their moves now from, you know, the handful of games that they play complex or low A and um, now, you know, getting into the, the thick of things being promoted up to, High A, uh, so I, I saw reports about Tommy Troy being promoted, Matt Shaw being promoted. Uh, the biggest thing is Wyatt Langford being promoted to uh, High A. And I think, and, and Jake, I think I can speak for you here. We're of the mind that, you know, as long as he doesn't look terrible, I, I do think Wyatt Langford goes into FYPDs as the number one overall. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, any, anything he could do to like improve his kind of like you know his his stock, his image is only going to help. Um, he started off hot, and you know I think it would take it, it takes steady production, and he stays right there if he at all does. Um, you know, exceeds expectations or hits the ground running, it's only going to like increase the hype. You know, so I think that he'll end up being more often than not taken one one. So, you know, plan accordingly, pay attention uh, to how he's doing. And, and uh, another uh, name, Nolan Shanuel, uh, the, the Angels doing what they've been doing as, you know, recently as the past couple of years, Zagneto, um, Ben Joyce to an extent, Reed Detmers, 
um, previously to that, Chase Silseth, just taking guys and either accelerating them very quickly through multiple levels or really taking guys that are um, a bit, you know, higher floor, lower ceiling, but that allows them to kind of move, you know, jump, jump a couple of levels before they are deemed big league ready. So Shanuel already bumped up to double A. So, you know, I'm sure Jake, you were making the point off Mike that that'll probably improve his draft stock, just proximity in of itself. I don't know that we see the skills there to really wow us, but yeah, you know, I could see it still being a good fit in a particular position uh, draft wise where, you know, if you want a cornerback that seems, you know, steady and again, high floor, he's right there. Probably only a year at best off from making his major league debut. So um, with that being said, we're going to jump into talking about trades. We're going to go. I have the MLB official trade deadline tracker up and we're going to go in chronological order. So we're going to start about a little bit over a week ago, July 24th, and literally just go through um, trades of note. So we're not doing every single trade because not every single trade is important for us to cover. Um, even this one, I guess you could make an argument uh, that we could bypass it. This is um, July 24th, the Braves picking up Pierce Johnson from the Rockies in exchange for prospects Victor Vodnik, which is just a great name, uh, and Tanner Gordon. Um, obviously, Johnson uh, is there to, you know, uh, back up the Braves bullpen and, and give them another arm in that bullpen uh, to strengthen that area, even though he's not necessarily, you know, ha- having the best season. Um, I'm seeing notes here. He's uh, at least at the time of the trade around 31% um, strikeouts as far as uh, the batters he's faced 13 to 15 and save chances. So it does give him something um, a good Jesse Chavez replacement, uh, Nick Anderson replacement. So that's Johnson, Vodnik and Gordon. I'll be honest there for me, prospect wise, they were always on kind of the back half of the arms and just the overall prospects that the Braves had. So pretty light return in my estimation. And obviously them going to Colorado hurts, hurts whatever value that they had even more. But um, what are your thoughts about Pierce Johnson going to Atlanta? Maybe more so from a redraft standpoint first, Jake, uh, outside of even Dynasty. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that he – is definitely going to help the team, I think, more than any, like, you know, fantasy roster. Um, if you're in, you know, maybe a dynasty league with saves plus holds, um, he might be useful. I mean, there's just going to be more opportunities um, for holds because the Braves have more leads. Um, they might blow teams out a bit more. But, um, you know, I think that there might be more opportunities there. I don't think he's going to be, you know, really in the mix for saves, except for with, you know, um, their more prominent guys are on uh, – on short rest and things like that. So, um, you know, but I think he'll be solid. And if you're in a, a really deep dynasty league that has the roster space and it saves holds, I think he's a viable option. Um, and then with the prospects they got back, I mean, really, yeah, there's not a whole lot more than what Lamar said here. Um, Vodnik is just um, another reliever. Tanner Gordon, he hasn't really ever shown much like strikeout upside this year before the trade. He only struck out 16% of batters at um, AAA, and he actually started in Colorado at AA, his first start, which is 
interesting. Um, but does is Colorado's AAA in? Um, yeah, it's all PCL. PCL, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's so Theirs is Albuquerque. So like one of the worst, yeah. <laughs> out yeah. of the worst, one of the worst. Yeah, so that's probably what's happening there. Um, not to throw him directly into the PCL, yeah. but at the same time, like he'll be pitching in Colorado, so there's not much that you're really protecting him from, you know. Yeah, and like um, you said, low low strikeout stuff. He his strikeout numbers, because uh, he was a guy that I was paying attention to a couple of seasons ago when he was in the lower minors higher strikeout numbers and you just saw kind of um you know bit by bit decrease as he's going up level to level um um so yeah uh with gordon like uh his his strikeout rate like you were saying um just doesn't really show the the stuff that you would like to see i paid attention to him a couple seasons ago um when he was in lower minors had higher strikeout totals and you just kind of seen that peter out um as he gone up level to level uh, so yeah, I, I think that's that's a pretty quick and dirty assessment on that trade. We can move on. Um, we can bypass that. We can jump into next sort of significant trade. This is more so from a dynasty and um, redraft league specifically because no no prospects were interchanged here. But this is the Dodgers getting uh, Ame Rosario sending Noah Syndergaard who had some choice words to say <laughs> apparently about some teams including one can only you know assume uh the Dodgers as well um wait what I don't think I caught that oh you didn't I don't think so no one yeah Syndergaard had, Syndergaard had some choice words about teams and I'm I'm very much summarizing here it's yeah. not a direct quote but pretty much saying that in he's had some teams that think that they can fix him have kind of meddled with the stuff that uh, he normally does um, ask him to do stuff that's outside of what he's used to doing. And so he's looking forward to going to Cleveland and, and having essentially them let him, them letting him pitch the way that he's used to pitching. Does he know that that's the case though? Like, have they told him that, you know, like, is that just a big assumption? Are they going to get there? And he's going to be like, yeah. and have you tried this yet? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I think a lot of people are just like, dude, I don't think the Dodgers were messing you up. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this, a six, one, uh, a seven, I'm sorry. I got the numbers transport, a seven, one, six ERA. Yeah. I don't think that that was the Dodgers. Yeah. Honestly, like, and it's, it's a really tough position to be in for him because he was like, the guy, you know, he's throwing 100 miles an hour. I think so much of your just like self worth and ego goes into that when you could throw 100, you know, and then to kind of have the, the injury, the surgery, and then come back and it just like is not working the way it used to. That has to be just such a such a depressing situation. So uh, I can understand the frustration, but it's just kind of uh, an interesting choice. So yeah, I agree. I think it is odd for him to have said that, but um. Do you have any interest in Ahmed Rosario going over to the Dodgers? Um, possible sort of infield depth piece there. Yeah, I think the Dodgers have been looking for, you know, middle infielder ever since they lost out on, on Trey Turner. Um, and it's, I, you know, I don't know if he's going to be like the bona fide shortstop for them. Um, let's see. Has he really gotten into games he's played oh so he's actually he's only played in against lefties so far um in his first four games of the team he started against two lefties and sat against the two righties with uh, miguel rojas of course playing shortstop um and actually rosario played second base in um today so 
yeah, it's like, you know, he's really bad defensively. And I don't think the Dodgers are just going to let him do that at shortstop, you know. Be It'll, bad at shortstop. <laughs> yeah, like I think they are they value that a bit more, which is why they play Rojas there so often. I mean, Rojas has played every of everyone of the last six games at least. So, um, you know, that's it. he doesn't offer much outside of his defensive value. And so I don't think that they're going to stop doing that, you know, especially since they haven't so far, you know, in the, in the handful of games since they got Rosario. So, it's he's gonna have less playing time but probably be more productive in the time that he does play um so he's it's horrible for weekly leagues but in a daily you could still kind of like finagle a little bit you know uh moving to the first sort of major trade that we saw uh lucas giolito uh and ronaldo lopez leaving the white Sox, going to the west coast joining uh the angels in exchange for kai bush Ed, edgar caro um Giolito Lopez as well, but Giolito obviously being uh, seen as a rental, uh, being a free agent at the end of the season, uh, seemed like I don't know. Do do you think that that was a high price to play for a rental, especially given not just the rental, but given the Angels' current sort of position on the outside looking in playoff wise, uh, the number of injuries that they have, etc. So I don't if if they do make the playoffs, I don't really know. Like, I guess if Otani goes, like, 0-1 bonds or something, like, he can push him on through. Or if they go, I guess in that in that point, if if they go, like, rally monkey angels, then maybe some magic happens. But they don't really look like a playoff team. Um, so you have Giolito uh, coming over. You have Edgar Caro is kind of the headliner as far as prospect-wise going to the White Sox. Um, would, I think, I mean, White Sox don't really have – any sort of catching depth of note, but also I don't know how much you want to trust them with a what nineteen. I think Carol's still nineteen, maybe turn twenty year old, um, to develop any better than I guess the Angels would. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on this trade? It's kind of a weird one. It it is. I remember uh, um, when I first got the notification, I was really there was a lot of emotions because like, I'm, you know, I love Lucas Giolito. He's probably been my favorite White Sox player um, recently. And he's also, he's very accessible. You know, he's always, um, you know, he's on like the Rose rotation with Chris Rose, Chris Rose a lot. Um, And he was one of the guys that was doing the MLB, the show streams during the pandemic. Uh, He was like the White Sox representative for that. And he, he was, he's always been very like open, accessible to fans um, very relatable guy, uh, and just like a workhorse. And he really busted his, busted his butt to, to improve. Um, and so it's really tough to see a guy like that, a great clubhouse guy. Um, just someone who like, you feel like you connect with a bit more than, than most other major leaguers, you know, and to see him, like, even if you expect it, it's still a little jarring. And so at first I was like, it's not enough. It's never going to be enough, you know, <laughs> but, um, for a rent for a rental you know it's like that's solid value and it just it really kind of hinges on where you see caro's value overall um because he kind of in rankings especially going into this year he got like as high as like top 50 mm-hmm. maybe top 40 you know mm-hmm. and then with with his kind of um small step back in in double a this year now it's kind of like ooh, maybe fringe top 100 and so mm-hmm. i think it just kind of depends on where you see him um ending up there uh but i think at the end of the day you're still looking at someone who walks just about as much as he strikes out um with 
what he's he's already shown really good game power. Um, he lost a bit of it in in Double A this year, but you know it's kind of like where do you where do you put your 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 um, evaluation of him? Where do you take more um, more out of the one hundred and fifty WRC plus in in Low A or the one hundred and four in Double A? Um, and it was a big jump. It was an aggressive jump. It was an angels jump, you know? So it's, it's mm-hmm. possible that he just needed more time to adjust. He's one of the youngest players at double A. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm not ready to be like, oh, he's outside of the top 100. I think he's still firmly in it for me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the angels number two prospect, which doesn't really mean like a whole heck of a lot because the angels have a really bad farm system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was part of the discourse around the trade too. Was like, oh my god, you know, it was the Angels number two and number three prospect. Uh, that sounds a lot better than what it is, you know. Because right. like even Kai Bush, like I don't think I would have him in my top twenty-five pitching prospects. Right. You know, like he's definitely not top one hundred overall. He's probably not in my top two two fifty overall. You know. Right. Um. And so, but it's like, oh, he's a number three team prospect. And it's like, yeah, that's like. You're trading yeah, with the angels, or, though. Yeah, or yeah. it it doesn't mean the same. I agree. I, I so here's what I'm I'm curious about. You mentioned the assignment to or the promotion to double A is kind of an angels jump, right? Something that we're seeing. We we just talked about with with Nolan Shanuel and and some others, right? Like we we're seeing this. And so I wonder: Do the White Sox feel? Will the White Sox feel any pressure to? be aggressive with Kiro finishing this season going into next season. For instance, do they finish him out at double A here, start him at double A and then feel the need to push him into a triple A in the, in the midst of 2024 or because of like the return, he's like the headliner in this return that we got for Giolito and we needed something. And this is the guy or, and I don't really know what they're, philosophy is i know they had the whole project birmingham thing last year and and so you know they're not doing it this year doesn't look like but um it's still interesting to kind of watch and and try to figure out what they're doing at the minor league level um you know do they just say hey we're going to put him on our timeline and our timeline says we're fine with rolling out yasmati grandall and whomever else at catcher for another couple of seasons until we know that this really young guy is 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 set to to take over the reins and we don't feel pressure in which case it'll be interesting to watch like him finish a second season and repeat double a if they go down that route repeat double a and get a full you know 300 at bats or so at the double a level in a new system and see if there's any changes there like do we see anything um substantially change as far as you know, you mentioned game power, plate discipline, good or bad, because we've seen guys switch teams and all of a sudden skills that we thought, oh, they they really have, you know, translated tools and the skills and then those skills deteriorate for some reason. Right. So Carol's interesting. I agree with Kyle Bush. Like the, Bush was part of that um, onslaught of arms that the Angels just just went after. Right. They had the one draft where literally all their draft picks were just pitchers. Um, it was like 20 some up. It was it, that was ridiculous. Um, I don't know if Bush was in that particular draft, but he's in that general window of time. Uh, and I agree, like he's not somebody that is moving the needle for me at all. And I don't uh, I don't haven't seen or, or heard enough about his his stuff, pitch design, mix, uh, general 
you know, stuff or anything of that nature extend, you know, any, any sort of tangible or even intangible that would make me think that Chicago is going to get something greater out of him. Um, yeah, I'm not, let me, no, no, no. I was going to ask you this Giolito. If you have Giolito from a dynasty standpoint, so I'm going to turn off redraft, go into dynasty mode. Um, do you a do you like this trade for his dynasty value? Um, so you're thinking that's more short short term, knowing that he's going to be a free agent. Do you have any sort of speculation on where he might land as a free agent going in the 2024 season? So it's like it's not, it's a mo there's like a multi part question there for you. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, I don't really know where he would end up, but I wouldn't get shocked at all if he if he stayed with the Angels or mm. went to like the Dodgers or the Padres because he's from Southern California. Mm. And so I think playing there for the half a season is I I can I'm just gonna assume if I had to make an educated guess, it would I think he's going to enjoy that, uh, you know, being around family, kind of where he grew up, and could want to stay there. Um, and so if I had to make a, a bet right now, I'd probably say one of those three Southern California teams. Um, and, and then as far as like what it does this year, I think if anything, he's a really competitive player and it might just be an extra little boost that you're not playing on a a, a basement team, you know? Um, and honestly, I think looking, there was a, a really cool photo from the broadcast, um, in his debut with the, with the angels of him just like looking over at Shohei Otani, like really just like starstruck, um, and, and I think playing next to Otani and Trout, um, I, I think can only make you more motivated. Um, and I think that that could just be something that is an intangible part of, of being there on a competing team uh, with some of the best players in the world. And, you know, it could be a nice boost for him. He looked really good. I watched the start, his first start with the Angels, and he looked really good. He was like, he had pinpoint accuracy for most of the of the start. Um, he just, he kind of continued struggles with the home run ball. He's given up a ton of homers this year. Um, and so, you know, the park is really similar as far as like giving up homers, right. He doesn't go to like a, a super pitcher friendly park. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of like, you look at it and you're like, I think it'll regress because it's super unlucky in theory that like he's giving up so many home runs. Um, and so I think just like regression there, a better environment to pitch in more competitive. He's a, he's a competitive player. I think that if anything, there's a little boost there, um, but nothing super like tangible. Um, ideally you'd probably get more wins. Uh, but, mm. but yeah, I, I'm really, honestly, I'm really happy for him. If he's going to go anywhere, going and playing with Otani for, for a half season and trying to make a playoff push. Like I think it's about, it's a good of a spot for him to end up, especially since he's from the area. Um, so yeah, so I, I like it for him. Um, and then, and then also a quick note with Caro, um, Rick Hahn said that he expects Caro, not expects Caro to um, contribute next year, but they can contribute next year. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, I think if he takes a step forward and kind of looks a little bit more like the guy we saw last year, it's not out of the realm at all that he then continues to, you know, um, get promoted early next year to AAA maybe, and then maybe be on the big league roster at some point next year. Um, Cause I mean, Han said as much, but I think that you can't really take that super aggressive approach. If you see the same thing that you've been seeing from him right. this year, because that doesn't really scream someone who 
needs to be promoted quickly you know right and you already have some some other holes that they got to figure out with um you know the rest of their pitching now that they made this other trade which i'm uh, about to highlight uh which is trading away lance lynn so you don't have lynn you don't have giolito I guess there's a potential for you to, to re-sign him, but that's, you know, in the offseason, that's free agent, but that's probably not going to happen, right? Um, you still have Cease, because, again, they did not trade Dylan Cease, so Cease is still still around, but I don't know who else is going to pitch in the White Sox rotation. You got to figure out what you're going to do with or about Tim Anderson. Like, is this just a fluke season, and he's going to bounce back because he is now in that age 30 realm that we see guys you know all of a sudden those oh hamstring here that we were, mm-hmm. we were talking off might about another player who's not yet at 30 but is you know already we're seeing a lot of soft tissue injuries racking up and it's something about that 30 well i know haven't been i don't know about you jake but haven't been well past 30 now those soft tissue <laughs> injuries yeah, yeah they don't heal the same way when you're in your 20s so um right but the, the backs, the knees, the aches and pains, they, they linger and they start to deteriorate. So, I, you know, I say all that to say the White Sox as a whole um, in the offseason, I, I don't know, you know, what their move is going to be because it seems like they really don't want to go full on rebuild. But yeah. like their roster is essentially making them <laughs> make that decision. So with Carroll, again, it, it gets back to exactly what I was saying before. How aggressive do you want to be to your point, right? Like how aggressive do you really want to be? Because to me, what Han is saying, you know, some of that is, you know, GM BS, yeah. Yeah. but some of that is like, well, that sounds almost like you think you're competing and he can just be a, a piece because if you're going in full rebuild, you say, Hey, we, you know, we let it all marinate. We let the young guys, you know, stay in double A, stay in triple A as long as they need because we know we're going to be awful for a while. And like, and then yeah. we, we take it from there. So, yeah, mixed messages. Interesting. Uh, like I said, next trade, uh, July 28th, was the Dodgers uh, taking on Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly making his return uh, coming from the White Sox in exchange for Nick Nestrini, Jordan Leisure, Trace Thompson. Uh, Thompson going back to the White Sox, right? Because Yeah, he was on the, yeah, he was there for a while, yeah. Yeah, so interesting uh, there. Thompson, uh, you know, has shown some flashes of being okay as a fourth outfield type. Um, strikes out a whole lot, but has shown some 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 pop. He can run into a, a few home runs. Don't really see much more from him. I'll be honest, I've never heard of Jordan Leisure. You know, kudos to the Leisure family. Kudos to Jordan. Good luck to you. Don't know who you are. Nick Mastrini is really the headliner. And I think it's very interesting that, you know, a month and a half ago, we were raving, and I was definitely raving everywhere about like how good the Double A team, like the Tulsa Drillers, were the Double A affiliate um, of the LA Dodgers and their pitching staff. Look at this pitching staff! Oh my goodness, all this talent! And then Emission came up, didn't really didn't really work out the way we wanted it to. Um, Bobby Miller, I think, has been acceptable. Right, mm-hmm. especially it took him a lot longer. Uh, he was really in the system for a while. He yeah, spent a lot of time in AAA. Yeah, um, Landon Nack is still yet to make his debut, and he's on the older side. Twenty six now. Yeah, yeah. And Nick Nestrini is, is is there, and if you look at Nestrini's numbers, um, bit by bit, 
the numbers have not really have started to kind of fall off just a, a bit um, as we move through the summer. And so, again, with the White Sox, it's just kind of repeating the same refrain we just had. I don't really know what they're going to build. use this to build off of here. Um, when it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Yeah, I think like moving Joe Kelly, okay, that's obvious. Moving Lance Lynn, okay, that's obvious. Like they had to move those two. But for what they're getting back, like, again, I don't know anything about Jordan Leisure, but, like, the Jordan Leisure spot in this trade, to me, especially if I'm dealing with a team like the Dodgers, like, give me a, a Rain Don Kong. Give me, a, give me like, a super young, super projectable, like, rookie complex guy. Not that he's going to be great, but just give me somebody that I can just wish cast this guy could be anything on because he's so young, he's so toolsy. Like, give me that. Don't give me another, like, org depth arm that I can probably get anywhere. Um, getting Trace Thompson back, I mean, I, I don't really get that either. Like, why not just go fully prospect-oriented? I don't I don't see why they need to get Trace Thompson at all. Um, yeah, that was weird. I saw that, and I was like, really? Why? You already yeah. had him. Like, yeah. It wasn't so, great. Like, yeah, I guess you just need someone to play. Like if if maybe they assumed that they were going to trade more guys than they ended up trading. Maybe and you then know? With they the, just needed with someone else to like continuously yeah. hurt Eloy. Just like yeah. Mr. Glass, just continuously out. So you need you need guys. Um, we're going to be having this sort of like scratching our heads a lot about the White Sox because I think they're on here at least one other time, if not twice. So we're going to have a lot of like we don't know. And even the moves uh, they didn't make are, are head scratchers, you know? Like, um, Let's talk Dodgers. So they yeah. get Lynn, they get Joe Kelly coming back. Uh, obviously, Kelly is a, a boon for their bullpen, which they need. Lance Lynn. Uh, how do we feel about Lance Lynn in their rotation, considering that uh, their rotation continues to be, like, pretty banged up? Um, and if they're not, if their rotation isn't banged up, they're underperforming. Yeah, it's actually it's interesting. I didn't expect them to go with a six man rotation, but that's kind of what it looks like the plans are. Um, and depending on what they do with Michael Grove, uh, they might move him to long relief or bump him down. I don't think a decision has to be made there quite yet. But um, you know, it's they they have had dealt with they've dealt with a lot of injuries there. Um, they're like Bueller um, has been out all year; won't be back till next year. Uh, Kershaw is out like, and you just kind of have to expect that Kershaw will kind of be intermittently on the IL. Um, Dustin may is originally looked that it wasn't going to be that bad. And now it's looking like he won't be back this season. Um, even like a ton of relievers. And so I think they just, they desperately needed 
depth. And I think they just saw something in Lancelin that wasn't just like completely broken. Um, and I mean, like looking at it, like he, he doesn't, there are definitely still things that he does really well. Um, like the strikeout rate, 26.9%. Um, that's really solid. That's one of his best career marks. Looks like his second or third, third best over the course of a season. Um, so like, that's still good. He walks about a major league average. Um, and then looking at, I think he had a really good Sierra number. Didn't he? Let's see here. Oh, scroll down. Yeah. 3.9 Sierra compared to a six something ERA. What's it? Uh, 6.47 ERA. Uh, even the expected ERA is like a full two runs lower. Um, oh, I was going to check like FIP here. Uh, is 5.21 and then XFIP is 4.01. So it's like really no matter how you slice it, he's not as bad as, as what he has been. Um, and he's 36. You know, so you can't like, don't expect much out of it, but I, I would rather him go somewhere better um, with a better offensive behind him, with a better just pitching coach staff, you know, like better organizational development, and then just see what can happen there. Um, yeah. Would you know you... what's really crazy that I think about here and there is that he struck out 18 against the Mariners in like a random start this year. I remember popping into that game oh. for the last three innings and thinking, what the hell is happening? Um, <laughs> and so it's like, I haven't been able to get that image out of my head as I'm seeing him get blown up everywhere else. I'm like, what was happening that day? Did he have like a fantastic hey. lunch and it just like propelled yeah. him through the, you know, like Sometimes you're on, I don't know. Sometimes when you're on. Um, yeah. would you go after in, in a redraft? Would you go after Lance Lynn? Like what, what is a scenario that you would look to? Cause we're, you know, we're talking about, majorly trade deadlines but for most um fantasy leagues trade deadlines are, are right around the corner for most uh standard leagues as well would you go after lance lynn in a redraft and if so like what's the scenario that it would have to be yeah i think i, th- I think if you need innings and maybe quality starts or wins uh, honestly, maybe strikeouts just because he's, you know, he's already thrown 119 innings pitch this year um, with a 10.83 K9. So, you know, that's like, that's quantity. It's not quality. It's not been quality, but like, I think it will be about league average going forward. You know, maybe he's got like a 4.25 ERA going forward. And I think that's, that's definitely useful. And if you're, it's a lot easier to buy a player with a six ERA than it is most others. Um but I think I would have to give up. I think maybe like a fringe starter that like offers something very specific to a team that needs it, right? Like, um, like a stolen base guy. Honestly, like I, in a redraft specifically, I would probably give up Esther Ruiz for Lance Lynn because I probably already have a good cushion in stolen bases because of what he's already gotten me. Um, even if you're in like a head-to-head situation, like I could sacrifice like maybe half a category, you know, like still have guys that could contribute assuming assuming that's the case um and to get like an impact somewhere else um you know or a batting average guy maybe i luis arises probably too much and it would be probably laughed at um giving up like a someone who's bringing up like top 50 value right now for lance lynn um but kind of that type of player right like he's just batting average he doesn't contribute anything else and he's kind of fringe starter like you can get by with him elsewhere um but you can offer him to a team that needs it and be like hey you are really bad in batting average here's a savior for that specifically or you need more steals here's a stewie ruiz this is exactly what you're looking for um and then in return i get like a 
quality arm that's going to give a lot of innings and thereby strikeouts and some wins on a much better team. So I, I think that that's definitely a deal that I would make. Um, and I think that if also if I'm if I have Lance Lynn and I have a specific category I want to improve, I think I'd be all right with giving him up too. And even if like if he goes and he throws a you know low four ZRA, like are you going to be super upset about that? Like probably not. Uh, might hurt a little bit, but. I think that's a, it has a potential for a win-win scenario in a deal. Right. right. Uh, moving on, we are going to hit to July 29th. So only a few days ago, this is the first of the two uh, moves by the Mets, um, major moves by the Mets as far as their rotation is concerned. Uh, Mets trading Max Scherzer to the Rangers straight up for Luis Angel Acuna, um, of course, the younger brother of Ronald Acuna Jr., um, a lot of people speculated that this was at, when it, the trade was first reported, it was like Acuna and we kind of, we're waiting to see who the other prospects were and then come to find out there were no other prospects. It was just straight up. Um, let's talk about Scherzer hmm. going to the Rangers. Okay. Rangers, yeah. really good team. Uh, good offense, obviously. Pitching has been a bit of a problem because of injuries. Obviously, they got DeGrom. That didn't work out almost immediately. Uh, Evaldi now seems to have possibly a more serious you know, issue with his forearm, the same forearm that he had surgeries on. Um, so all of a sudden, their rotation, which was already a sort of uh, thin to begin with, has gotten a lot thinner. They get Max Scherzer. From a um, dynasty and a redraft standpoint, where like what is your valuation of Max Scherzer like just as a pitcher, especially now that he's on the Rangers? Like redraft talk to me and then Dynasty talk to me. What do you what do you think of, of him? Yeah, I think if I'm looking at if I have a dynasty roster that I think can compete this year, is competing this year, can still compete next year, um, that is really a, I don't think there's a specific kind of roster build that needs to be there like as far as youth or experience goes veterans or whatever i think he's valuable for teams that are going to compete um because he's still been really solid um looking at like let's see kbb specifically he's a 20.5 k minus bb percentage uh which is the lowest that he's posted since 2014 um but it's still fantastic that's still more that's still kind of like that that 20 percent threshold that's better than 80% 80% of the qualified starters in the league, at least, um, you know, so it's like, he's still a very good pitcher, still locates the ball. Well, doesn't walk a ton of guys. Um, you know, I think that the ERA is probably a little higher than we would expect from him. Um, but going forward, I think maybe you could see like a 3.75 to 4.25 guy, um, that's still going to get solid strikeouts. Um, you know, so it's like, yeah, he's not going to be the pitcher that he was, um, but he's still solid. He's still he's playing on a good team. Um, the park is, I think, comparable. Like City Field is a, is an extreme pitcher's park, uh, and I think Texas. I think Texas plays a bit more neutral, um, so there's nothing like advantageous there. But um, you know, he's on a he's much better offense uh, to support him, and I think that he's still a solid, solid pitcher. Uh, you can't really expect the, the Max Scherzer of even last year. Um, and he's probably going to get injured kind of more. He's going to be kind of like uh, in a Kershaw situation where it's like you expect him to be on the IL probably twice in a season, maybe two to four weeks at a time. 
And you just kind of like roll with that, you know, but you're still getting quality innings when he goes out there. He's a competitor. He's going to pitch until he mm-hmm. can't, you know, so I, I think he's still solid. Um, and he's not exactly someone that I'd be dying to move if I have him in Dynasty, you know, trying to get ahead of like the drop off because it's honestly possible that he could just continue being solid until he just decides to stop. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think there has to be a big blow up at the end. And then what about for redraft? Yeah, redraft. Um, I think I think similar. I think you're still kind of expecting him to be, you know, like a top, like a top 100 overall player. You know, maybe on the back end of that, um, probably right around 100. He probably gets drafted next year, at like 120 or so. Um, and I think so. I was expecting him to be that rather than the kind of top 50, 20, 30 guy that we've we've known before. Um, yeah, I think it's just kind of like setting expectations and knowing that you're going to get a solid pitcher, but he's not going to be like Max Scherzer, you know, um, that we've kind of gotten used to. Um, but like, still good. He's still good. Uh, still 20%, like I said, 20% K minus BB. And I think that's going to continue. And, he'll, you know, ERA probably a little less than four. And especially in kind of the offensive environment right now, that's still really valuable. And then looking at uh, Luis uh Acuna um I was I'll be honest I was surprised to see that he's number 44 overall on MLB pipeline um I I think he's a a fine player I think he's improved uh over the past couple of seasons I think when he first popped on radars obviously the name value uh being uh Ronald Acuna Jr's younger brother was kind of like oh okay but he's a completely different type of player uh much much more wiry much more at the time seemed like a slap hitter you know, top in speed, but not a whole lot of pop. Um, you know, people were kind of like, ah, okay. Like saying, you know, uh, uh, it, it, they share a name and that's kind of like it. And he definitely has improved. I just didn't know, at least from the MLB pipeline standpoint, that they considered him that much improved that they're putting him in top 100. I don't know that I would have him off the top of my head in the top 100 of prospects. Uh, if I had to put together a list, let alone in the top half. But there he is. So um, the speed is 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 real. Uh, he has some pop. I'm looking at the, the numbers that they have, at least time to trade, 830 OPS, 42 stolen base in 84 games at double A. Um, so now he moves to the Mets. And the Mets are also a team that I don't really know what's going on with their farm. Um you know, obviously, we know about Ronnie Mauricio. Francisco Alvarez has put together maybe the the quietest, best season for a catcher, let alone a catcher of his age, like ever. Because every time I see his numbers, I'm like, wait, he he's he's hitting what? <laughs> he hit how many home runs? So you know, those two have definitely worked out. But um, pitching wise, I think their pitching prospects. Um, even the French guys like the David Petersons and whatnot have really clicked into pay- place. Um, the more uh, kind of notable uh, pitching prospects, a lot of them have suffered through either injury or just poor performance. And f- for Acuna, I, I don't know. I guess you could put him in the outfield. Um, I'm just kind of projecting in the next couple of years you could put him in the outfield you're assuming that Mauricio is going to be at short um I guess you could put him at second as well he's played second base uh but I don't know that I'm 
that this it doesn't hurt his value, but it doesn't really it doesn't really do anything. I think you kind of for me, I'm kind of net neutral overall. Um, I would have to see something really incredible for me to to see a boost to Acuna. I think he's an okay player. Um, like yeah. I said, speed speed is really the thing that's going to carry him through. Uh, if he can make a, enough decent contact, you know, he he can rip up the base pass. But he's kind of in that in that Ruiz standpoint, right? He's he's mm-hmm. one category, um, sort of offering. So um, another sort of meh trade here. Like we're going through a lot of the sort of like meh shoulder shrugs of of trades, um, which is kind of what yeah. the deadline was. But yeah, I, I mean, I think I I think I like Acuna a, a bit more. Um, like I recently did a deep dive on him because I got him in a trade, like a part of a much larger trade. It was like four for four. Um, and, you know, I think that if, if anything, the park is a little bit more difficult to hit in, in New York. Um, Texas has been better on the hitting side uh, for development than pitching. Uh, the Mets have, you know, have kind of a mixed bag, you know, Alvarez has been great. Beatty has been disappointing, but still hitting the ball. Well, um, and, so it's like you like you said it's there's not a huge difference in kind of like the change of scenery um but i think that acuña could if he can just find a way to get to a little bit more power he could kind of really take off and and it's kind of asking for something that might not exist um you're kind of assuming again because of his name there's might be more there but um he has improved his plate discipline continuously um since like 2021 2022 uh, he was kind of mid twenties uh, strikeout rate, um, and then in twenty 2020, twenty in twenty twenty two in double A after the promotion he dropped it down to twenty one point three, and then this year in double A he dropped it again to eighteen point nine, um, and he's still carrying about a nine to ten percent walk rate, which has been pretty consistent uh, as well. And he's, so solid. He's like twenty one, twenty two. Like he's still pretty young, right? Yes, he is. He's still twenty young. He is twenty one. Um, so yeah, so I mean, he has that. So even the fact that he's kind of like doubling up in double A, right? Like like repeating the yeah. grade, so to speak, does isn't isn't as painful as if he was a bit older. So yeah, right. we'll we'll see. Um, moving and we'll start to kind of zip through. Uh, July thirtieth, we had Blue Jays trading Jordan Hicks to the car or acquiring Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals. Excuse me, uh, for Sim Robears. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, and Adam Klaffenstein. Um. I don't really know why the Blue Jays are getting Hicks. I mean, I know Romano went down. I mean, I guess I do know why, because Romano went down. The Blue Jays still are trying to run into the playoffs. Um, I don't know that it's going to happen, but they're trying to claw their way into the playoffs. Uh, so they need to replace their closer. That's pretty much straight up. Um, I think for Hicks from a dynasty or a redraft standpoint he's pretty much been who he's been with the cardinals like he's going to be uh, on the better end as far as relievers i think if you are in a similar team need as a fantasy team where you need saves and hold maybe you need like a third guy maybe you have two really good uh closers or back end guys and you're looking to just like shore up that category and help out your ratios and strikeouts as well then, you know, definitely I would see going after Hicks if you have him. No need to move him. He's he's going to step right in the role. And I think if Romano, if when Romano comes back healthy, I could see them, uh, you know, sharing a little bit. And even if they don't share, like Hicks is going to be right there at the back 
end of the games, even if he's not closing that closing it out in the ninth, he's going to be there in the seventh and eighth. So he's still going to be save uh, or hold eligible, I should say. Um, Roberts had a really like he was kind of the guy last last year, and even in twenty one, I remember seeing him along with Tiedemann and oh, uh, who's the third Blue Jays? There's a third. Oh, uh, Zulueta was the third like Blue Jays arm that everybody's like really high on. This year seems to take some major steps back. I mean, he's not even striking out. Um, he doesn't even have a strikeout per inning. It's 86 strikeouts in 88 and two thirds at double A. Uh, so not really um, showing the same performance that I think uh, a lot of people expected out of him. Uh, Klopfenstein's actually been interesting because he was somebody that I think a lot of people have written off. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure, and I should have researched this, but I'm pretty sure he had an injury um, somewhere in his career, like pre-COVID, like 2019, maybe going into 2020-ish. Um, but regardless, I know performance-wise, he just he didn't look like he had the command, didn't look like he he was going to be able to stick around. And this season has looked much better. Um, some of his best uh, numbers overall that he's put together um so i think cloth could be interesting but the cardinals have really kind of struggled we've talked about this and some uh other podcasts they've kind of struggled when it comes to their pitching development recently so as much as i would think oh cloth is interesting we'll love to see him get a shot and see like what he does in the next year or so now all of a sudden with the cardinals kind of having some issues i don't know that they're going to be able to, to take him that next level they haven't done it with their own, uh, you know, Libertor and, and Graceffo, and we've talked about these guys. So I don't know, you know, what happens with Klaffenstein, but if there's anybody out of this trade um, that I'm sort of put a bookmark to or kind of highlighting the name, it's probably his. Uh, yeah. Robert, like I said, um, I don't know if that was just flashing the pan. Sometimes the guys bubble up and have like a good year and a half, and then that's it. Um but yeah, I think Hicks is, uh, you know, Hicks is the, the the guy here out of this trade to pay attention to. And again, I think, um, you know, redraft or dynasty, you run at him if you need to shore up your saves and holes in the back end of your own bullpen. Yeah, yeah, I like this trade. I like this trade for the Cardinals organ, like what they're trying to do as an organization. But I don't have the confidence in them to actually like pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was, it was. I thought it was really funny that Mazalik was talking about the trade deadline and their their acquisitions and, and saying that, like, he's like, yeah, we really looked at swing and miss. Like, we wanted guys that get swings and misses. And it's like, wow, welcome welcome to the party. You are the 30th person to get on the bus. Um, I'm happy you got here. I'm right. a little disappointed it took so long. But, like, right. okay, welcome. Open yes. arms. Sure. Welcome to the club, yes. buddy. Yes. Um, and so – and because he's like, yeah, we've had – yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, we've just had real struggles with that recently. It's like, yeah, because you're telling guys to throw it right down the middle. Um, <laughs> you're telling them to pitch to contact like it's still 2003. Yeah, just throw <laughs> some sinkers on his hands and you'll be fine. You know, right. let's get out of here. Uh, right. So, yeah, no, it's like, okay, like, try your best. But like, and they're not exactly the guys that you're going to trust to turn an organization around philosophically in the pitching department. Like, okay, we're just going to blow the doors off people. Yeah, we're going to strike out. It's like. You know, Klaffenstein's looking a lot better. Strikeout rate looks better. Um, and then you have, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but uh, the other guy kind of going the other direction, right? So, you know, it's like 
for, for me personally, I'm less interested in each of these guys than I might have been before just because it's the Cardinals. And until they show me that they could develop a pitching prospect that can strike people out, I refuse to believe that they can because it's been one after the other horrible. Yeah, Michael McGreevy. McGreevy still is looking good at the double like level. 18% strikeout rate right now. Is it? I thought it was higher. It was. It's been. It's been bad. Let me see. Let me see. I've been really sour. Yeah, just, <laughs> maybe I've just on seen a Maybe it's just because uh, I've seen a couple of starts of his that had some high strikeouts, and so I'm, yeah, I've just watched like Grisefel come back from injury, and I was really excited about it. I probably mentioned it on the pod, mm-hmm. and then he's just like he's struck out like one or two or three in his last few starts. McGreevy had been again trying to be like, all right, like oh he's gotten a little better. Uh, it's back to you know like yeah. Uh, right now, yeah, six point seven five K per nine and seventeen percent wow. strikeout rate for McGreevy okay. this year. Never mind, you were right. <laughs> I'm wrong. Moving on, uh, more Cardinals uh, trading away Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton to the Rangers, getting back Thomas Sajessi. I think it's Sajessi, uh, Sagasi maybe. Should have looked up how to pronounce these names. I apologize. Uh, Takoa Roby and John King from the Rangers. Uh, I think, um. We talked about the Rangers obviously having a thin pitching staff. This is another move to help them shore it up. up. I like Montgomery going to the Rangers a lot. I think if you have Montgomery, you have to really like this. Hold on to him, I would say, in a dynasty standpoint. um, I would say run at him if you're in dynasty or redraft and and if you can make a trade. So I think that this will be helpful in those categories you talked about as far as like playing for uh, a team that, that is that much better, especially offensively. Uh, so gives them a little bit of a bump as far as win leagues, quality start leagues. Um, I don't think he will hurt you as far as ratios or strikeouts. I don't think that's going to change a whole lot, but I think, you know, he is who he is as far as strikeouts, as far as ERA and whip, but that boost in potential wins and, and quality starts, I think is helpful. Stratton goes into the bullpen. I don't think there's much uh, to, to note there. Uh, I think he's going to be more mid-relief guy he doesn't offer much uh roby i know was somebody that um some writers and analysts were high on coming out of the rangers uh farm had some injury trouble i think um again going to the rangers i don't know if they can pull the rest out of him that he would need uh the stuff seems like you know that's really what spoke to people he got drafted in 2020 in that shortened draft um and I think he he got hurt, missed time. And then I think he came back and looked pretty good last season. This season, a little bit less so. Uh, Sexy, I actually have him rostered um, in my Dynasty League. And I was saying to somebody in one of the various servers I'm in, pretty much the same valuation. He looked like he was going to be blocked in Texas. Looks like he's going to be blocked in St. Louis. I, I still think he's a pretty good ball player, but he ha- he's also somebody that I could see being a very much like uh uh what is my guy's name uh it's, it's, it'll come to me after we're done potting. But there's another Rangers second baseman that I'm thinking of here, um, not Kinsler, uh Foscu. That's who it is. Justin Foscu. Seems like he's he could be very much in the similar vein of just like he has pop. Not a ton of it, but like 20 home runs is doable. Maybe I think he's maybe a, a better batting average play than Foskey was. I don't think he has as much swing and miss. So Foskey was like, or is like a 240, 250. I think Sexy could get 260s and, and a little bit higher. 
Um, but again, he's not. He plays shortstop, but I don't think that's his ultimate position at the major leagues. I think he's more of a second baseman, maybe a third baseman. And again, I think you've seen blockages uh, with the Rangers because they had Simeon, they got Seager, they got Young. Maybe they could have put him in left field because they don't really have any set left fielder. Um, But now he goes to St. Louis. They have Arenado. um, They have Mason Wynn who looks like he's about to be ready to get promoted to the major leagues at short. And he's a dynamo when it comes defensively. And now his look like his bat has really progressed um, in the upper minors uh, with his recent hot stretch. Uh, so maybe, you know, second base, cause they're still not sold on Nolan Gorman. Like maybe that's where he ends up. Uh, if Arenado walks, they still have Jordan Walker, who, again, came up as a third baseman. They moved him to the outfield, so they could potentially move Walker back in. So, you know, um, he's somebody that gets moved, and it doesn't really do anything, <laughs> you know, materially for his for his value either. Um, John King, I, I'll be honest, I, I think that's just more of an org depth piece as well. So... Are there any thoughts, any anything that I missed here? I think Montgomery is the guy when it comes to this trade that benefits the most if you have Montgomery on your team, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I was really disappointed to see Takoa Roby go to the Cardinals. Uh, I was really, I started kind of noticing him more this season and, and paying attention to him. And I was really excited. Uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, the Rangers, uh, again, kind of, we mentioned haven't had a ton of success recently, but you know, he's looking really good. Uh, it's a good fastball couple good good breakers and he could kind of just develop the arsenal a little bit more um you know i think he could be solid and then going to the cardinals is just like ah like we'll see we'll see um but i I mean he's still he has good stuff like you said um i think i like him the most as for dynasty i think i like him the most in the deal Mm -hmm. uh montgomery is solid but and and with him you know what you're gonna get you know he's not a ton of upside has a high floor He's just going to be a solid, solid dude. Yeah. Goes out, gets a bunch of quality starts. Um, so super valuable if you're competing, um, you know, and plays for a much better team, going to get more wins and, you know, put up just solid numbers. He'd be, he's consistent. So um, he's good. But I think if I were going to take a shot on somebody in Dynasty and kind of like hold on to him for a while, I'd probably pick uh, Roby. Okay. Uh, July 30th, Angels acquire CJ Crone and Randall uh, is it Grychuk or Grychuk? I should know Grichuk. Is it Grichuk? I've never actually heard it said out loud. I've always just read it. Uh, from the uh, from the Rockies in exchange for Jake Madden and Mason Albright. I'll be honest. Um, Mason Albright, I was very, very, very lightly familiar with just yeah. seeing his name. Yeah. I'd never heard of Jake Madden, even though he's <laughs> the higher ranked pro- prospect. He's their right. number eight prospect, and Albright is number 28. So go figure. Um 28 on the Angels, Heath. Yeah, so I don't know why I know I'm familiar with that name and not she ran, but there that is. Um, not seeing much from a prospect standpoint. They also sent money because it's Colorado, and of course they did. Um, but Crone and Grichuk, um, I I think I like both. I mean, what am I trying to say here? I think. I like Grichuk a little bit more only because the outfield situation continues to stay in flux. Um, Mickey Moniak is tearing it up right now, but I think he's still at any point in time, like that could go south because he's still like 
swinging and missing quite a lot. Um, that has not changed. He just happened to make a lot of contact currently. Um, and then you have uh, what Taylor Ward with facial fracture. Uh, yeah, he's likely out for the year. So, so, so you have that. Unfortunately, so I think Grichik has a, you know a couple different spots to that he could slip into, provide value. Cron, you know, these are kind of just known known guys. Uh, I think if you're looking for depth in a fantasy standpoint, uh, again, dynasty or redraft related, not bad uh, targets to have if you're looking for like a, just one more outfield bat or one more like corner infield bat. Uh, to help you with some depth if you're making a playoff push. Um, yeah. And again, am I missing anything from, from these two? Honestly, it's probably a good time to buy because of the fact that they're leaving Colorado, it's just such like a, like, Oh, you know, like they're not going to be hitting half the time in Coors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so honestly, the owner that currently has them might have been really banking on them playing at Coors and might even have just been, if it's a daily league, just been playing them at home. Um, but now they're in an extremely better lineup. Uh, in a park that's still solid, it's probably middle of the pack for for offense, um, and so it's you know I think you can get a bit of a boost, like you said. Grichik is going to have a ton of playing time because they they needed him um, for depth, and Crone is now their first baseman. They haven't had a good one all year. They now have one who's solid, um, so I think they're both going to get a ton of playing time, and I think that there are good values right now. Um, but you can't you can't really expect a ton of like power for Grichik. He doesn't hit the ball hard well at all. It was mostly like the Coors effect. Um, but he has a really good on base percentage recently. Um, he's a good hitter. You know, he's just kind of not have a ton of pop. Um, but he's gonna play a lot in a really good lineup. And then Crone, like solid guy, like you know, like a, really similar to Montgomery. Honestly, like you pretty mm-hmm. much know his his floor. He's not gonna like light the world up, steal any bases or anything. It's just gonna be like a average batting average good counting stats and Some maybe home. a little bit above average power maybe like 20 homer power over the course of the year in yeah. in los angeles so honestly they're solid veteran values that right now if you want to kind of go after someone who's just going to play a lot uh july 31st we have the rays uh getting aaron savali for kyle manzardo i think this was a surprise a lot of people were like wait what, what? um <laughs> You know, some people, are, again, are thinking, you know, Devil Rays magic. Uh, maybe they can resurrect something out of Savali that the even the Guardians couldn't do. Like they did uh, with Eflin. So, yeah. yeah. So that's a possibility. Um, I think a lot of people were pointing to, like, maybe Manzardo was taking more of a downturn than what we thought. Uh, we know he had some injury. We know there's some personal family-related issues that he's been dealing with that has been kind of reported on in bits and pieces and, and this so, is definitely not going to help either like if you're struggling in your you know personal life like i think his, his mom has been in the hospital pretty exactly. consistently like now you're being traded probably away from her potentially further you know like that's just you're moving life you know yeah. so that's just i think an added wrinkle there you know yeah yeah um but i think this season uh you know definitely has not turned out the way a lot of people anticipated uh especially compared to how on fire he was last year and really moving himself up ranks um he goes to a cleveland team that could use a first base and we're going to talk about that later as one of their deals um so he's not completely blocked they do have um Josh Naylor as a potential first baseman, but I think he's been mostly DHing. They, I don't think they really like him there. Uh, they did have Josh Bell. They did move him. 
that's a, one of the later trades that happened on uh, today, actually. So, you know, I think for Manzardo, it's almost like uh, uh, maybe a bit of a reset for him. Um, you know, not a, it's a soft reset. It's not a hard reset, right? But it's just a soft, like, hey, you know, you don't have to worry about when's your time and when you're going to get called up and that sort of stuff. Like with Tampa, he, he kind of has maybe a clearer space to playing time, uh, if not this year, then going into next year. Um, I would just be curious to see if his numbers move at all at AAA with Cleveland um, versus what he's been putting up so far with Tampa uh, to finish out this year. I think that would be interesting to see if we see a big spike, um, if we see kind of the same or, you know, worst case scenario, if we see even more uh, decrease in in his his average and his own base, because that would be quite odd. Um, Are you interested in Savali as a resurrection project? with the Rays at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think so. I mean, he's, he's been a serviceable guy in even 12 team leagues this year. I think his, um, his ERA is kind of like right around three. Uh, and you know, you're not going to expect a ton of strikeouts from him. Um, but you know, he doesn't have a incredible stuff or anything. You don't really, it's like, why is he so successful? Well, he's just a good pitcher. <laughs> um, so honestly, I think it's like, you kind of, see what the Rays will do with him, but uh, he doesn't, like, I, I already thought he was solid, and I think that it's going to kind of continue being uh, being pretty good. I don't think that the Rays are definitely going to make him, like, worse, uh, yeah. if anything, you know? Yeah, so Rays, Rays Cleveland trade pipeline continues to, to remain open. Um, yeah. So that's, that's always interesting to see uh, teams that like to deal with each other over time. Um. Diamondbacks getting Paul Seawald from the Mariners for Josh Rojas, Dominic Canzone, and Ryan Bliss. Uh, Bliss has really shot up charts um, this year. I think uh, he he played in the Futures game. I think him being able to put up uh, the average that he has with the power that he has, some of that obviously being in the Arizona system, I do think some of that has been inflated um, playing at Amarillo and playing at Reno. But I think he does have some you know, legit pop, just I don't think as much as his numbers may show. Uh, Canzone, I mean, they have a glut of outfielders, so they had to move somebody. He ends up getting the short end of the stick there. Uh, Rojas, I thought, was going to be really good this year. He's been the exact opposite of really good, so they get rid of him. Um, he does still have, interestingly enough, he's age 29, and he still has minor league options. So I think for Seattle, that's interesting. They actually, he was actually in the starting lineup tonight for Seattle. Uh, so as they continue to try to figure out what their second base um, situation, especially looks like with Colton Wong, with Jose Caballero, looks like they're throwing Josh Rojas into the mix. They're trying to figure out who's going to stick there. Uh, I think they traded I, Wong, didn't they? I missed that if they did. Oh no, he was he was designated for assignment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, so it could go. be, you know, but so that, yeah. That, that clears up a little bit of, of space because, I mean, I have Caballero. Literally all he does is steal bases. He doesn't hit the ball hard. He doesn't really hit the ball well. Um, but the few times he does get on base, he works. He can work uh, a walk well enough, and then he'll, he'll just steal like, a couple bases or they'll pinch run him and they'll, he'll steal a base. That's literally all he does. Yeah. So uh, I think they're hoping that Rojas maybe returns back to the 2022 
form that he had uh, with Arizona and not this year's form. Paul Seawalt obviously going to um, the D-backs to help them with their bullpen. And, um, yeah, he's another known quantity, I think, similar to um, some of the guys that we talked about uh, earlier, um, specifically talking about Jordan Hicks. Like, Seawalt is another guy that, from a dynasty standpoint, you definitely want to go uh, after if possible, to try to get to um, bolster your own bullpen if, again, you're in that situation where you have maybe a couple of good closers, you want that third guy just to really make sure, just in case there's an injury, just to really make sure you can lock down the saves hold, um, have good Ks, have good ratios. Seawald, that's what he's been doing for a while now. Um, I guess, Ryan Bliss, do you, are you high – your own bliss than maybe I am. Um, Do you potentially that maybe I don't. But uh, yeah, I think it's like you said. It's hard to believe in like the numbers that he's put up because they're just like so crazy inflated. You know, um, like he was leading double A in batting average for a while there. He might have finished with the lead. I don't know because he was promoted to triple A, um, and in sixty two plate appearances in triple A, he's hitting one ninety six. Yeah. Uh, with one homer. And so, you know, maybe that's kind of the bucket of ice water that he was going to get inevitably. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see how much he kind of bounces back from from this kind of rough start to AAA. Um, and he's still in a good offensive environment. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. he went from like crazy good to crazy bad or, you know, they're both great offensive environments. So um, it's kind of an even playing field from that standpoint. Um, and I mean, it's AAA, it's an adjustment. So, it's yeah like you said you know how much were you really going to buy into it especially since like what we had seen before was really nothing close to it so i think you kind of have to proceed with caution um yeah and seattle's a tough place to hit especially for power so so let's move on uh we got mark canna going from new york to uh, milwaukee because they don't have enough outfielders apparently um in exchange for Justin Jarvis. I did like Justin Jarvis. Um, he's yeah. struggled mightily since the promotion to AAA. He looked really good at um, AA both this year and, and definitely last year when he first jumped on my radar. Um, but, uh, again, the Mets pitching, uh, they can't develop it. They can't buy it. Like, I <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what's going on there. Um, so maybe it'll be interesting. He was already struggling at AAA. Maybe the Mets can actually turn him around. Um, and I don't think, you know, uh, Milwaukee is in the Southern League. Obviously, they had tacky ball in the first half of the season. I don't think Jarvis was really a, a huge beneficiary of the tacky ball because, again, he looked good at high-end AA last season. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, again, uh, as he finishes out the year, triple A, uh, um, in the Mets system, if maybe they can make some improvements and, and get something more out of him, uh, can go into the Brewers. I mean, you got, I, I'm looking at again, MLB.com. So obviously there's Yelich, you got Freelich, Blake Perkins, who they're still playing, Joey Weimer, uh, we're assuming, you know, Garrett Mitchell is going to come back healthy next season. Um, I mean, I guess Canada's a, a free agent, so maybe he won't be around next season. But what, 
are you interested in Mark Hanna at all in in the redraft or dynasty standpoint like whatsoever like the deepest dynasty league the deep, yeah, like, no no it's i it's hard to see yeah interesting because i mean he'll be he'll be like the fourth outfielder essentially it's the same role that he had with, with the mets right but probably a little less playing time so and i th- what i think it really hurts uh is um joy weimer I think that he's even before these trades, he had started seeing a, a bit of a loss in playing time. I think he had only played like three out of six or something like that kind of before it. And now I think this kind of just cements that he is more of a defensive base running type of kind of guy at this point. I don't think he's rosterable in, in redraft in just about any league, really, because um, it's just I don't think he's just going to get enough playing time. Uh, I think that these deals really just like further cement that that they were kind of moving off of him as an everyday guy. Well. Um, who would have who would have thunk a couple years ago he was setting the world on fire and now here he is. Um, that's the life of a prospect. Justin Jarvis. Uh, any thoughts on Jarvis going from the Brewers? Who you know they they they're kind of in that uh, maybe not one A tier, maybe one B or number two tier as far as pitching development systems. Um, but leaving there, going to New York. Uh, any anything of note are you are you off of him now and just you know you're ready to dump him or yeah um it's actually funny i was just looking for his like uh his stat cast like profile from his last start and i was looking under the syracuse mets and i was like i looked at his game logs he pitched today or like on the 23rd and he pitched for the nashville team because he was on the brewers um the trade had not gone through yet so um got past that found it now um he doesn't, you know, he doesn't uh, doesn't throw very hard. Throws, he averaged fastball ninety two point five, mm. average slider eighty point seven, uh, league average zone rate twenty three percent CSW. He did horribly in the start, so like not exactly the his best work, you know. But and it's like, you know, even though he pitched poorly, you could maybe look at the Arsenal and be like, okay, these are still good pitches, and don't super see where that's going to come in. You know, what's going to be the difference maker for him, especially since he has a kind of limited arsenal, uh, just like four seam slider curve uh, with 60 he throws his four seam 62% of the time. He throws it in the zone a ton. So I guess he has that going for him, but <laughs> not a fantastic fastball, right? You know? Like he right. locates it well, I guess, but you can only get so far against major leaguers, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, Candelario goes from uh, the Nats to the Cubs in exchange for Kevin Made and DJ Hers. Um, Candelario's had kind of a, a, a low key, you know, valuable season uh, for for fantasy purposes, especially. Um, I think he continues to have you know pretty much everyday playing time going to the Cubs. They don't really have much of anything to to block him or, or make him a platoon bat. So I think if you had Candelario, you can continue to ride him, right? The Nationals are terrible. Cubs are only slightly better, if that. So, you know, it's pretty much net neutral um, as far as that goes. DJ Hurz, I know a lot of people uh, liked. He's going from the Cubs to the Nationals. Say the same thing. I was having a long conversation uh, on the Pitcher List Discord today. This The, the Nats pitching develop, or really their player development as a whole, just doesn't move me. You can point to all the players that they've had in their system, and almost all of them have either been like a lottery ticket, one in a million sort of like 
how do you stumble onto this person and really just don't screw them up? Or they've come from another team almost like fully formed. So I just, I've yet to see them take a player that they've gotten at the lower minors from another team or drafted or, you know, for international signees signed themselves and really build up from like, hey, this guy's kind of a fringe, you know, org top 30 guy to, oh, he's actually serviceable. I'm not even saying the superstar. I'm just saying like a serviceable everyday player. You know, I, it, the, the the names are short. It's, it's the list of names that the Nationals have done that with are very short. And hers and my day are definitely those types of players, those like 45, 40-plus 40 FV guys that you really need a strong developmental team to push into, saying, oh, they actually pushed them into being like 50 FV guys or like, you know, 50-ish and – you know, maybe the FV doesn't really matter, but they, be, you know, we get them to the major leagues and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're serviceable. They have a role. They are strong side platoon or they are, a, you know, SP4 type or low level or high leverage. I mean, um, you know, back in the bullpen pitcher. The point being, um, Kevin Mate for me is super young, but strikes out a lot. Uh has some pop, but I don't know that he is going to have enough power to overcome the fact that he strikes out as much as he does. Hers, I don't know. Um, you know, he has good stuff, but I think he doesn't have the command to remain as a starter. And I don't know if the Nats are going to make the move quickly enough to make him a high leverage guy and help him out that way. So then he kind of withers on the vine while they try to make him a starter. He's not a starter. Uh, if I have hers, um, I'm probably moving them. Uh, I'm probably just off of them and trying to dump them as soon as possible. Uh, but like I said, if you have Candelario, stay put because nothing really changes with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that about covers it. Um, Joe Boyle leaves the Reds, goes to the A's. Um. Boyle is yet another uh, Reds pitcher where it's always just been a matter of can he command the, uh, his pitches enough. He gets a, a bunch of strikeouts, but he also walks a ton as well. Um, so he's the Reds' number 28 prospect according to Pipeline. Uh, 122 strikeouts, 75 walks at the time of the trade at least, and 84 innings. So 75 yeah. walks in 84 innings, in 84 innings. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's pretty much Joe Boyle, like in a nutshell right there. I don't know that the A's are going to get much more. They're probably going to end up pushing them into the major leagues anyway, because they need anybody that's a warm body that can play baseball. Um, so I, I don't think that his development will get a boost there. Sam Maul was who got traded from Oakland to the Reds. Um, he, you know, mid reliever type not really anything from a dynasty standpoint uh i don't i'll be honest i don't even know why i i, I earmarked that trade i think just joe boyle in general i think just joe yeah. boyle yeah. he he i think i i brought it up now that i'm thinking about it i think i brought it up because boyle seems like maybe he's the uh low man on the totem pole when it comes to the reds pitchers that have had this sort of like 
good stuff, but poor command um, profile. Abbott got his stuff together. They're still trying to get it together with Ashcraft. Um, help me out, uh, Jake. Who's the Who's the third guy that I'm thinking of? Like pitcher for the Reds? Yeah, Ashcraft. Uh, Green. Not Lodolo. And then no, uh, the one that just debuted this year, Abbott. No, I said him. Lively. Uh, no, Jesus, it it jumped out of my brain that fast. But there's a third one has a similar profile. Um, was oh, able Roger to. Resource. Oh, Connor Phillips. That's what I'm thinking of. Connor oh, Phillips. Oh God, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, he's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, Connor Phillips got his stuff together. Abbott got his stuff together. Ashcraft, they're still trying to figure it out. Boyle, not so much. He's on his yeah. way out. Uh, yeah. Let's let's actually get get a move on with this. Um, okay. Actual stuff that we really should care about. None of this stuff. Not going to talk about him. The Rockies have acquired a ton of just mid pitchers. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating. They're kind of even their draft strategy is a lot of pitchers. I, I feel like they have to have some sort of master plan for how to handle Coors, and they're trying to. Nah. Like I get, I get trying to do something, but like they're just gonna get shelled. No, I don't know they, what you want to do. I, I think if you read the most recent reports, uh, I think the Athletic had some good reporting on the Rockies in like twenty twenty one. I want to say, even at the major league level, executives are like they have zero idea what they're doing. Like they really don't, and 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 it seemed like from that reporting, and I'm pretty sure it's the Athletics. If it's not, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure it's them that were saying like they also hate dealing with the Rockies because they are like super difficult to negotiate with. But also, like, it's very obvious that they don't know what they're doing. So it's just like very frustrating. Um, they're 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 that guy in your fantasy league. Maybe I'm that right. guy in fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to headlines yeah, here. Interesting Justin, stuff. Yeah, Justin Verlander going back to Houston. Um, along with Cash coming from the Mets, Mets get Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. Hell of a haul. That yeah, major haul for the Mets. Um. I I really like Clifford. I was talking to a guy who drafted Clifford in my league who had been a big fan, and he was like, I'm a little – I don't know how to feel about <laughs> Clifford going to the Mets. Um, Houston just seemed like a great landing spot for a hitter like that to just sort of de- sit, develop, not have to get pushed at all, um, and really just unlock some some really key skills that would make him – super valuable at the major league level, uh, especially in the fantasy standpoint. I don't know that the Mets are going to get that out of him, but he still is a, a very good hitter. I think Gilbert is Gilbert's going to be Drew Gilbert kind of regardless. Um, you know, he's not a superstar, but I think he does have um, I talked about this before, like that multi-category quality of just he's going to provide you He's kind of a stat stuffer to use an yep. NBA term. A little bit like of everything. A yeah. little bit of everything. And I think that continues um with the Mets. And I think, you know, with the Mets being a bit older and a bit broken, I think you know, path to playing time opens up a lot easier for him than what it may have been in Houston. Um so I think if you have Drew Gilbert, um, while Houston is a better team than New York, uh, I think the playing time opportunities in the path is better for him after this trade. So I think you have to be pretty happy with that. And then Justin Verlander going to Houston. Are you excited about this from a, a, a redraft standpoint? I'll, I'll keep it just in the redraft lane. If Are you like, this is a good thing? Or are you like, actually, I want to trade him away like ASAP? Or 
Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's. I think it's a good thing because it's where he kind of had his late season resurrection. You know, like he really kind of like took a step forward um, and like kind of became. Uh, not really became a different pitcher, but kind of like worked with what he had in a different way than what he had before, right? Like he figured it out with Houston. And honestly, I think he probably should have just stayed because I think it was a free agency, right? That he went to the Mets. Um, mm-hmm. I would have, I think I would have just rather seen him stay in Houston for until he's done. I think at this point he'll probably be in Houston until he's done. Um, and I think that like he's comfortable there. I think he really trusts the organization. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a small bump up, you know, uh, but it's not really going to make me sell him or buy him either way. Um, you know, cause even, um, yeah, he's like the, the, the Astros are a better team, um, but similar offense, I think to the, to the Mets, um, mm-hmm. at least kind of like the guys that they have, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's just for him. I think it's just an organization he'd rather be in. Um, I'm going to assume because of just kind of his relationship that he already has with them and the success that he's had there. So I think it's a small bump for that, man, but like performance, I don't know. I think we'll see kind of more of what we've been seeing, you know, um, very similar to Scherzer just like, he'll be good. Not crazy. Like we kind of expect because right. he's, you can only do so much when you're like 40, uh, <laughs> no offense, Lamar. Sorry. You're, uh, I'm not 40. I'm not 40. <laughs> oh, no offense to me at all. Cause I'm not 40. <laughs> Oh man, uh, uh, no, I know. I I just uh, giving you giving you a hard time, but um, you know, you're the one out here talking about your your back and your man. all your your pulled sure. muscles and whatnot. Sure. Um, I actually I pulled my back, or I, I I like completely messed it up. I was in the yard um, hammering in a fence for the because the dogs were trying to murder this little um, like rat, <laughs> dirt rat animal thing. Um, Would that and, be a groundhog? Yes, that's what it is. Thank you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> but they were trying to kill this thing. And so we put up a little fence around like the burrow or whatever. And I was out there and I like, I don't know what I was doing, but I like hit the fence with the mallet yeah. and it just like, yeah. like all spazzed up on me. And I felt yeah. so bad or uh, because like my dad has always had back issues. He's an electrician and he's yeah. every once in a while he just pulls out the heat uh, map or whatever, yeah. the heat pad. And I had to do that. I texted him. I was like, dad, I'm so sorry for giving yeah. you all this hell, you know, like this sucks. And he Welcome. thought it was the funniest thing. Um, so I, I have kind of, you know, started that, that process as well. I guess I got to be careful about what I'm stretch. doing. So yeah. I can't keep talking crap because it'll come back to me. Um, this one was an interesting one. Uh, we talked about Cleveland uh, making some space for Kyle Manzardo. They trade away Josh Bell to the Marlins, and they get in return uh, Jimmy Segura and Khalil Watson. And then um, they release Segura. They like uh, parted ways with him already, like same um, day. See, you're, you're Johnny on the spot. See, you got the super up to date information. So. Khalil Watson, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the odd, curious case of Khalil Watson continues. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that the Guardians love their middle infielders that uh, especially are projectable with some loud tools, and Watson definitely has that. But we know, obviously, maturity concerns dating back to his suspension last year. Um, he's had some bright spots, very few and far between this year. Uh, strikeout rate still not where you want to see it. Uh, are you buying Watson at all? Like taking a flyer on him just because he's changed the scenery. Cleveland's a pretty stable organization. Like does the, any of that appeal to you? 
Yeah, a little bit. Um, probably not enough to go out and buy him. I don't think I will in you know any of my teams. Uh, maybe if there's like a performance boost that follows it, mm. potentially might uh, look into paying the price on that. But you know, he's not exactly someone I'm like leaping for to acquire right now just because he went to the the guardians uh organization but i love the the move to open up um a bit clearer path for manzardo though you know um with getting getting bell and the marlins are interesting because they last year they said we strike out too much we have too many power hitters we're gonna get luisa reyes and gene segura and do a complete 180 have a bunch of second baseman on the team put jazz in the outfield and then now it feels like they're kind of it's overcompensating again in the other direction with also the burger trade, which I'm sure we'll yeah. talk about in a yeah. sec, but like it just, it feels like they're really like, like a, a metronome, like back, like on wall, all the way on one side and all the way on the other, you know, it's, like it's almost like they don't have an actual direction from their form, their front office. Almost. It like is that. working though. <laughs> is <laughs> like it? it's been, you know, is it? I mean, they're, they, they're outperforming expectations and honestly, some, a lot of the deals that Aang has made have, have worked out really well, you know, uh, like Jesus Lazardo has been awesome. Uh, Puck looked great until he didn't. Um, and you know, so it's like, I'm willing to let it play out and see how it goes. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. They're they're trying to make the playoffs, which honestly, got to give them credit for that at least, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Josh um, Bell, I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. Uh, don't know what's up with that. They also get Jake Berger to to go with the trade that you were mentioning uh, from the White Sox. Uh, again, White Sox showing up as well um, in exchange for Jake Eater. Um, I love Eater, but I don't. I from the White Sox perspective, why are you trading someone that you have another four or five years of control on? Uh, yeah. Who's been their second best hitter this year? Like, yeah, twenty five home runs. Yeah, and he hits the ball really hard. Uh, strikes out probably too much. Yeah. Bad batting average, you know. But like, there's plenty of time to work with them a bit on it, you know. Yeah, uh, and even uh, if even if that's just who he is, it's just a twenty five homer guy that's bad average and bad OBP. I mean, there's worse things if if you figure out the rest of your lineup. Right. Especially from DH or third base, you know, right. you don't really need a three or, you know, 280 hitter there, you know. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's gone. He's with the Marlins now. Uh, and then Eater, I mean, before the Tommy John, a lot of, you know, he was high up. And, and obviously Marlins pitching, they seem to have something there as far as getting guys at least to a certain point. Now, this is something that, um, I've been paying attention to is, you know, we give Marlins a lot of credit, old Marlins and pitchers and look at how deep they are. And, you know, we were saying that for a couple of years, especially after they made uh, the playoffs in, in the the COVID year. And now you look and it's like, well, Edward Cabrera still hasn't gotten his stuff together. He's he's a cherry bomb, like to, to use a Pollock, Nick Pollock phrase, like he's a cherry bomb, like almost every start. You never know what he you're going to get out of him. Um, you got uh Sixto Sanchez who, from some reports, like not even a thing anymore. Um, so you start to look down the line and it's like maybe they're not as savvy as getting guys all the way to major league ready. Maybe they're just good with the draft and you know getting some value, getting them to move up lower minors to higher minors, but not completing the the whole transition there. And it'll be interesting to see um, uh, Eater in the Chicago system. He's come back, like I said, from having Tommy John. 
looked okay, not great, but you know, again, it's he's still you know pretty young in his first season back from um Tommy John that he had in twenty twenty two. Uh, I, I I'll be honest, I I would downgrade him going to Chicago. Like I much yep. rather just see him in Miami because of absolutely the bit of track history they do have. But um, better park, better coaching, better yeah. development, you know, and and that's another thing too. Yeah. Talking about park, like uh, as as hard as Burger hits the ball, like the Marlins ballpark is not great. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so that kind of hurts him too. So this is kind of a trade that I think hurts both players involved and doesn't really help anybody. So yeah, odd. Uh, last one. This is the last one that I have, and then we can wrap here. Um. A little bit longer than what we wanted it to be, but so be it. Uh, Baltimore Orioles, my favorite team, uh, picking up Jack Flaherty. About two years, maybe too late, but they picked up Jack Flaherty <laughs> um, in exchange for Cesar Prieto and Drew Rom. Uh, I like the exchange as far as, um, you know, you don't give up much. You're, you're trading from middle infield depth with Prieto, uh, Rom at best was going to be a, a, a like fifth starter more likely he's going to be a lefty reliever so you're not giving up much of anything and with Flaherty I mean he is a I mean he is a rental you're probably not going to resign him but if you can get anything good out of him just for the last two months of the season that's going to help you out as you go into the playoffs. I mean, you know, you're, you're leading the East, your offense is clicking bullpen looks pretty good. Uh, you got Fujinami earlier. We'll see how that continues to work. Didn't get off to the best start, but he seems like he may have settled. So you got a seven, eight, nine scenario for your bullpen. Um, and it's just a matter of what you're going to do with the rotation. It seems like they're really, you know, you got Flaherty, but other than that, it seems like they're trusting Bradish, they're trusting Grayson, and you're going to see how this goes. Um, but Prieto, um, I thought he was going to be a little bit more interesting when they signed him. He was, he was one of their first, like, big international signees under uh, Elias at, once they opened up international signing again after not having really any system in place under Dan Duquette. Uh, but he's kind of been, you know, just mid-tier. Um, and I already mentioned with Rom, I think just getting him to the point that they've gotten him to is a bit of a developmental win because he doesn't really have much anything as far as stuff is concerned. It's really all sort of angles and sort of that lefty savvy that we tend to talk about that sort of intangible. Um, but I don't, again, I don't see either one of them being major impact players. Um, do you think that there's anything left with Flaherty? Like, do do you see him being a difference maker for the Orioles and specifically from a dynasty standpoint, do you see him being a, uh, any sort of difference maker now that he's playing for a much better team in a, you know, more interesting ballpark now, obviously the way Cam Yards plays, but you know, he is playing against some AL East. Uh, opponents, not the NL Central anymore, not getting yeah. the Cubs, yeah. not getting the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything there, maybe a low value play for a redraft? Oh, man. I, you know, I wasn't, I was, I've never been interested in him 
this year, this off season, it's, I don't think it's enough to make me interested in him now. Um, because he's still like worst walk rate of his career zone, worst zone rate of his career. Can't get any chases outside the zone. CSW's bad swinging strike. It's all like meh. Um, and it, you know, it's a, it's a better ballpark, better team that he's playing on. Um, so I think it's going to help. I think it's mostly going to help the, the real life baseball team bringing in a veteran, um, that can get you good innings. That's definitely going to be solid at home, you know, extends, I think the playoff rotation just makes it deeper. Um, and so I think he's going to be more of a contribution in that sense than necessarily for like fantasy teams. Uh, yeah, I just don't think it's enough for me to like look past the things that I was avoiding him for before this. All right. So with that, we're going to wrap here. Um, I think the takeaways here from the trade deadline is, uh, like I said, a lot of shoulder shrugs, a lot of sort of mad trades. Um, I think, you know, once they moved back the trade deadline date, um, I saw reports right after that was announced uh, as part of that new CBA. A lot of executives were saying like they anticipated the trade trade deadline being essentially what we saw today. Um, you have a lot more teams that think that they are in the race than what they might actually be, but because it's later in the season they're more willing to make push and make a push for it and not be sellers. So marketplace, not really as active. And I think you're seeing a big impact of um, prospecting just overall with teams, not really being willing to, to move top end guys uh, to, to make splashy trades. And I, I shouldn't say anymore, but in the way that we have seen, maybe five to even 10 years ago where these guys, a lot of those types of players were, you know, given up with very little thought given to, <laughs> you know, if I'm getting a, a major you know, a Dylan C's or a you know, a major arm, a major bat, I'll make that move. Uh, and I think you're seeing a lot more of holding on, holding on, holding on, nibbling around the edges with negotiation and deals. And obviously we don't know everything that, went you know has gone down as far as you know potential negotiations but um it'll be interesting to see if this is the new norm for trade deadlines moving forward so we'll see yeah. uh we'll see what what the uh rest of this season has for us as we are officially in august so we got the two-month sprint to finish out the season uh with all that being said i would like to remind oh first actually before we get into that anything uh new to promote jake or is it the same old, same old from you? Yeah, same stuff. It's just the uh, pictures stash article. And and yeah, I think that about does it, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Before I get into uh, my normal spiel, would uh, encourage anybody who's a member of uh, the picture list server, so any of our uh, PL Plus members, um, you know, continue to hang out in our live chats. Keep an eye out. We're going to... Um, do a, a better job of kind of letting you know who's going to be answering questions when, so you can see a schedule uh, by week um, of who's going to be answering questions, what date and what time. So, you know, come with your questions, uh, especially, you know, certain writers have certain, um, you know, specialties or, or areas of expertise. I try to come around on Wednesdays in the afternoon, normally around 12 o'clock. Uh, so prospect and dynasty stuff, you can check for me then. But just a little plug for live chats. If you're in the picture list server, 
Um, but as always, want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our Picture List pods on the Picture List Network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of Picture List for you to find, listen, and subscribe. You can find me on X. It's officially actually updated the icon on my phone. You can find me on Twitter. You guys know what I'm talking about. You can find me on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. And you can find me on Twitter at Jake Mash, M-A-I-S-H. Of course, you can follow the pod to catch up with our episodes um, at PL on the farm. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Mm-hmm.